Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 687. His advice is always, you are not rich enough to buy garbage. So he said, buy the best you can buy and a little more. And he says, the best stuff is what does better in collecting. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah! Hello, automotive enthusiasts! I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Nelson Kaye. Hey, Nelson, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I have my helmet on and I have as many straps as I could in this in my four by four. All right. Well, I hope we don't need those. I'll try to keep us uh, uh, with the shiny side up, as they say, when you're four wheel driving. But uh, we'll have a little bit of fun today. Nelson Kaye is the CEO at Classic Motors and the FJ Company, where they specialize in restoring and selling the iconic Toyota FJ Land Cruiser. They dedicate themselves to performing full frame-off restorations of this classic Japanese Toyota, the FJ20, the FJ40, and the FJ60 series Land Cruisers, creating modern versions for today's enthusiasts. Their vehicles are brought back to original condition, or they can be customized a bit to whatever you'd like. Nelson is a lifelong automotive enthusiast who raced cars for 15 years, starting in karts and then moving to open-wheel race cars, and he still participates in endurance and exhibition racing. He personally conducts a 100-mile inspection on each and every restoration that leaves his facility. That must be fun. So, Nelson, I've told our listeners just a tiny bit about you. Would you take a brief moment and share a little bit more about your business and, of course, your passion for some very cool automobiles? Well, thank you, Mark, uh, and very happy to be here. Yes, of course, I'd um, I'd like to, I mean, you pretty much said it all as <laughs> far as it has to do with my later life when I was able and willing and um, focused enough to devote all my time and attention to cars in general. Mm-hmm. And like you said, I've been, I've been into cars since I basically have a, any type of recollection and my family members say that I've been into cars since I was since day one <laughs> so I had n- numerous ideas and attempts when I began my with my entrepreneurial curiosity and most of them failed or took me to places where I just couldn't make any sustainability in in a business and I guess I have to be very grateful because um, five years ago we found ourselves doing our hobby in a more serious way and this has become a business that uh, occupies 180% of my time other than my family time. Sure. And this is my life right now and and I I have to say that I cannot complain and that uh, it's a day-by-day off-road adventure. (laughs) <laughs> uh, road adventure with ups and downs, with uh, flat flats here and there, with uh, some muddy spots, but um, definitely, definitely a great experience and a and a great career for for a car enthusiast to have. Well, I can only imagine. I'll let our listeners know. I found out about your company when I was at SEMA last year, and I walked up to your booth. I said, oh, this is cool. They've got a cool old car sitting here to kind of eye candy to get me to walk in. And I talked to your uh, brother, Juan, and your assistant there, marketing assistant, Linda, and I said, so what do you guys do? 
And they said, we create these. And I went, whoa, this is awesome. And they were very kind. They spent a lot of time with me, walked me through the whole build. And it was like standing there in front of a brand new FJ. I mean, the thing is just beautiful. I want to get in and go for a ride. So you're having a lot of fun, I can tell. And we're going to learn a lot more about your company and what you're doing as we continue on this off-road journey of yours. But first, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your success and your business and your life. And it's a nice way to get those inspirational off-road tires turning here on cars. Yeah, so Nelson, take the wheel. Okay, well, um, I think that um, my first classic car restoration was um, uh, what I thought to be a pretty smart thing to do back in 2003. Mm -hmm. And I had always had a liking for 1967 or 1960s Lincoln Continentals. Oh, wow. And I found a car just by driving around Colorado and I thought it would be a great idea to buy it and paint it and drive it. Mm -hmm. And that was a three to four year project, which obviously ended up costing about a thousand times what I thought it would (laughs) would have cost. That's the way restorations usually go, (laughs) isn't it? And I had what I call beginner's luck because I Ended up working with a great group of people in Sarasota, uh, Florida, mm-hmm. and they're actually called Lincolnland. Oh, <laughs> oh, wow. How cool. Yeah. And they are extremely good people, uh, third generation Lincoln company. And I was lucky to, to work with a, with a group of transparent and, and just an, a very nice shop with, with amicable people. Mm-hmm. And yes, it took a, it took much longer than than I thought and than what they thought, but the car was finished. So I call that beginner's luck because my next projects were a complete disaster, as many of you guys and many people have obviously experienced. The times were just um, impossible to even. A size, uh, you never know what, when a restoration is going to be done. Mm-hmm. The costs are always supposed to be around 10 and they end up being 100 or 150 or. <laughs> yes. And that's a good case, actually. The bad case is when a job is, a shop is not able to do what they were advertising themselves as capable. Ah, yes. So I had terrible terrible experiences and that's when i really began to think a lot about the restoration business and the restoration market and in different brands and different categories of of automobiles Mm -hmm. and i definitely found that there was a need for a company that did either some types of vehicles or a couple or several with transparency with a constant process that doesn't change Mm -hmm. and with um, specific time frames that are put into writing and also a specific dollar figure that is put into writing Mm. and so I guess if what I would say is a, a success mantra or or something that I always think about I try to emulate and and I and I try to get all it, all the people in our in our company to emulate what what the best people I've worked with have have done, 
And we definitely concentrate on excelling in what we see that they're doing wrong. Mm. So we are, we are extremely, extremely obsessive about being transparent, sending our clients who have, who have, who are doing a restoration with us. We, we, we give them a full set of pictures every month explaining what's going on. And again, we commit to a certain time frame and we commit to a dollar figure and we've stuck to that. And I think that the, that the coherence that, that, that does, that gives us with the clients has been what we think is our uh, success mantra. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I've had many builders and restoration companies and people, owners of companies on this show. Uh, just yesterday's show was Dave Kindig of Bitch and Rides TV show and Velocity. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had some gentlemen on that, that specialized in vintage Porsches, 911s. And they said a, very similar things. And I think the successful company is a company, yes, that is transparent. It's very forthright and lets the customer know at any given moment where things are at because I have so many friends that have had cars restored and you're right. It's, it's always 10 times as expensive and they're frustrated and angry. And I, I will always say, well, did you, why was this a surprise? And well, because no one told me until we got into it. So it's the only way to be in, in all aspects of business, but especially in the restoration business. So I think that's an awesome way to be. Transparency is oh so important. Well, let's go back in time. You talk about being a car guy ever since you were little, little fella. So uh, is there a story you could share with us that instigated your passion for cars? Is there a pivotal moment as you look back in your life when you realize I'm going to be a car guy for sure? Oh, yeah, absolutely, Mark. I mean, when I was around 10, on the way to the grocery store with my mother, I guess, we walked through a radio control race prep shop or retail store. Uh-huh. And when I saw the cars in the store, I was just, I was just electrified. I was completely mesmerized by them and went in there and I kept on going to that store for the next four or five weeks. <laughs> I tried to pass by every day yep. and, and look at what had changed and what, how they changed the bodies on the cars and how they were preparing them for racing. And then obviously I ended up going to one of the races in a weekend. Cool. And I completely knew that I loved the smell of the, the fumes, the gas, the sound was amazing. And then I got my own car and at that time you had to build build them yourself and prepare them yourself so i yeah i guess i did that in a mediocre way when i was 10 or 11 i don't think i ever got to drive the thing very well but <laughs> i sure have had fun and i had great memories and that was my introduction definitely to cars yeah and while waiting outside of a go-kart track to get access and we we were actually let to race in the local race, uh, go-kart track. Oh, cool. With our RC models. Yeah. So I got there early and there, there were some people testing in the go-kart track. I had never seen that in person. Oh, okay. And there's a vivid, vivid recollection of me hanging on the fence, mm-hmm. pretty much sticking my eye through the holes in the fence to get a, a closer look of the go-karts. And I was exactly in turn one in the little go-kart track and i could see how these guys were coming in turn one at maximum speed 
and just slightly touching the brakes and rotating the car to to make it go through the turn and that was it (laughs) your bit (laughs) after that uh, I think there were a couple of days where I really could not sleep well, just thinking about the, <laughs> the noises and the movements and the go-karting. And yeah. I, I was absolutely sure that that was my passion. Yeah, <laughs> how cool is that? God, well, thanks for taking us to that fun time when that little boy looking through the fence going, man, I got to get in one of those things. So, And you eventually did, which is a really cool part of the story. Well, Nelson, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down. You talked about having a lot of... Uh, uh, efforts at different businesses, and some of them didn't work out so well. So, so take us to a moment in time where you had a big challenge or even a big failure. Walk us through that. Take us to that painful moment, but then more importantly, tell us what it taught you so you could move forward, and tell us how that experience helped you gain even more momentum to move on with your career and perhaps a new business. Yeah, well, um, I think I was, um, uh, when I was younger, I definitely wanted to be uh, in professional racing, any, any type of racing really. And that just never became a reality. I didn't have the means or I didn't have the connections. And, and I guess I started at a too late of an age to mm-hmm. really, really get somewhere. Mm-hmm. It was frustrating to understand that, um, it was very expensive and it was very hard to get somewhere in racing, as I think it still is. I'm sure it's very difficult nowadays. The frustration took me to try to forget about cars, sort of when you break up with someone and you say, I, <laughs> yeah. I want to wipe out the memories of this yeah, person. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I wanted to wipe out the memories of my of my love and passion, which was racing, and I tried to do that. And um, so I began my career. I was... Basically, I worked in finance for 10 years and then and I worked uh, at a family business for eight years. But throughout those 18 years of working in, in other stuff, I always went back to cars and and I always fantasized about how the hell could I make some money or build myself a life or a job or a business where I do stuff with cars since I wake up. And I fiddled around with different business models with friends, car clubs, classic car clubs, uh, uh, you name it, racing schools, uh, all sorts of ideas and projects that sounded fun. But in the end, uh, I was too scared or too attached to to my day-to-day and definitely too scared about not being being able to make it not being able to make it sustainable right right and then the typical and the most cliche thing in the world happened to me when i was 40 uh, i had a, a 40s crisis oh goodness okay and, yeah yeah <laughs> and at that time my my first kid had turned about 2 years old mhm and that's when it clicked. That's when I said, I have to be so inspired and so passionate about what I do every single day so that I can be inspiring to my kids, so mm. that I can be inspiring to them. I can't be doing something that is not with, done with my complete devotion. Right. And so my son's birth and, and seeing how when he was getting being aware of the world I think that was a huge, huge turning point in my life. And I said, I'm going to take 
the plunge. I, I'll, I'll do whatever I have to do. And at that time, it became not non-negotiable for, for myself. Nice. And I guess what I can say is whenever I did that, the doors, small doors started opening. Mm-hmm. And I took every single door opening that I could get. And I, I've been stumbling uh, as usual for the past five years. But every time the doors have been getting bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. And every time I forget about uh, settling for less or for the ordinary things, things have come our way. So, uh, I would have to say that, uh, definitely committing and, uh, having the trust in your gut and being patient. I think that's what, uh, that's what led us. I say us because then my brother joined me, but that's what led us, you know, advance in the automotive journey. Yes, exactly. You know, This is an awesome story because lots of times when children come into our lives, that's when people settle down and go, I guess I better get serious now (laughs) and go get a real job and quit goofing off. But the the neat thing about your story is it it took a different twist. You wanted to be a, a mentor to your first child and someone that said, look, you need to do what you're passionate about in life. We only have one life. And sometimes it's it goes by pretty darn fast. So uh, I appreciate you taking us to a really personal time and so forth. And I think the other takeaway for me here is passion, persistence, tenacity, patience. The combination of those attributes that you have to make this thing work is what's opening those doors, little doors, bigger doors, bigger doors. So thanks for taking us down that road. Great journey there. Let's give gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a career aha moment. You touched on one there with your son, but is there a time when those headlights kind of came on and brightened that forest path or that uh, off-road path that you're heading down to kind of help you understand which direction to go? Sure. There, there is, there's definitely a moment where, where I said this, this is going to work. Or, or at least I knew that I had, I didn't know the size, but I knew I had, a, I had a job. Yes. Yeah. There you go. So, yeah. So, uh, the first, really the first land cruiser that we restored to the level that we restore them nowadays was was actually my grandfather's car. Oh wow! Yep, and that was a nine. That is a 1981 uh, medium blue FJ40. Mm-hmm. He had it all his life, and then he passed it on to my cousin, who is four by four nut, <laughs> and uh, so he took upon it to restore the car mm-hmm. and. Well, one day I was walking around town and I see a beautiful blue, medium blue FJ40 driving by. And guess what? It was my cousin. And the car was just absolutely striking. It, it was onto a level that I had never really seen. And at that time, it was not usual to find those cars in, in a high level of restoration. It just didn't make any sense. Right. That's when I started uh, having some ideas about how I could, I could get my hands on the car. I said, I have to buy this car from my cousin. <laughs> <laughs> it's just too beautiful. And it was my grandfather's car. Yeah, yeah. So that all ended up being in uh, my brother, my cousin, and I getting together and partnering in, in the car. And our objective was to keep it for the rest of our lives and just preserve my grandfather's. How nice. Yeah. My, he, basi- he basically had... Two cars in his life, two FJs, one seventy-two, mm-hmm. sky blue, and this and this one 
medium blue. And that's the car that he liked. He was always out on the roads. He was always out on the mountains on the weekends. So yeah. obviously that was the car. And then my brother imported the car to the U.S. He wanted to have it as a weekend driver. Mm-hmm. And that was, uh, that was quite a novelty. It was hard, very hard for us to bring that car from South America, from Colombia, where we're from. Mm-hmm. It was the first time we, we did something like that. And well, finally, the car was here in the States, here in Miami. And the car was an absolute sensation. Uh, everywhere you would drive the car, it would, there would be a crowd. People wanted to touch it. People, <laughs> yeah. Those who knew what they what it was uh, came up and told stories about how how they had an experience with them. Those who didn't know were just simply asking, "What the hell is this? And why is this so cool?" And <laughs> that's when it started itching badly, and we said. <laughs> I want to build one and I'd like to send it to an auction. Obviously, I had looked at the uh, prices in auctions and mm-hmm. I was kind of shocked by that. Yeah. And we said, huh, maybe we can build something like this and actually make a little bit of money. Yeah. Yeah. And we did our first car for commercial, purely commercial purposes, not for us or for friends. Mm-hmm. And we sent it to a uh, to an auction in Charlotte, uh, RK Motors uh, auction. And the car was a smashing success. Nice. Frankly, the car brought crowds and uh, praise and people loved it. And again, I felt like there is there is definitely a liking for these. There's a market for these. And sure. little by little, that's how we started to... Um, <laughs> Very nice. To, to build a business, yes. Yeah, this is so cool, this story, especially the fact that it started with your grandfather. And you mentioned people that had history. When I was in high school, I had two friends. They were both named Chris, and they both had FJs. <laughs> and one was the long wheelbase, and we used to take that off-road and go down to Mexico, go surfing, park on the beach, and have fun and so forth. So I think a lot of people have some history, especially in a certain age bracket of those vehicles. Very cool, very cool. Well, I would assume you've had many proud moments in your business career and life. Is there one that stands out for you? Definitely the day that 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 first um, green Land Cruiser sold. And that was, um, again, in Charlotte. And um, that was a John Deere Green FJ40. And as soon as the car passed through the block, and I even have that on video, on a camera, on an iPhone video, obviously. Uh And when that sold... Obviously, we had sweated blood to get that car. <laughs> How bad? To get that car to that shape. And I, I looked at my brother and I told him, this, this is one of the happiest days in my life. Very nice. simple moment, but yeah. but that's, that's all it takes. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Well, <laughs> let's have a little bit of fun and go back in time again here. What was your first really special car? Maybe you could share a memory you have with that vehicle. Yeah, I think that my my first special car was... My first car. <laughs> I mean, uh, okay. I think that whenever you have a passion for cars and you really end up having a passion for driving. So, yeah, I, th- I really think that each car has different qualities and different ways of making you feel, um, giving you fun or giving you uh, the sensations that each different machine can. Sure. So, I feel like my first car is irreplaceable, just like I guess the first son or the first car <laughs> is just 
it's normally not the best car, but right. And in my case, it's it's actually a very interesting car because I don't think this car was imported into the U.S. It, it was a Daihatsu Charmant, and that was a, a four-door station wagon. Yeah, just a small small family station wagon, mm-hmm. four-door. Out of all colors, it was uh, light yellow. So this thing was definitely my grandmother's hand-me-down car. <laughs> okay. And it was a grandmother's dream, but it was quite a quite a difficult car for a for a young uh, car enthusiast. And immediately, I went ahead and um, took one or two of the silencers off. <laughs> so n- now it wasn't only yellow and bright, but it was loud. Yeah. And I took the steel wheels and widened them about an inch or an inch and a half, I don't remember, and put a little bit stickier tires. And that was an incredible machine. Those Daihatsus had basically the Toyota technology and the fit and finish of the Toyotas. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the the four-speed gearbox, I can still remember the clicks on the four-speed four gearbox, <laughs> just nice. excellent cars. <laughs> That's how I felt, fell in love with, with uh, Japanese precision back then. And that car must have been uh, 1980, early 1980s. Okay. And that was a 1600 uh, four-cylinder, very powerful car. And the nice thing about the car is it was rear-wheel drive. Cool. So, so it had a long drive shaft, and it was a live axle in the back. So uh, okay, yeah. The car was actually very fun to drive and very fast in the canyon roads. So I don't even want to go into the details of how many irresponsible things I did back then. And I'm, <laughs> we'll just ignore that because your son, <laughs> your son may be listening to this someday. I think we have to ignore that, and, and it was completely crazy. But I, I will never forget that car. It's, it's, it's a completely unique car. Yeah. If you are nerdy enough and interested, uh, it's the Daihatsu Char, uh, Charmant and. I don't. I don't think they came into the U.S. and I think they should have. They, they were great cars. Yeah, not something you'd see around here. Well, how about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle you've owned that you let go that you really wish you had back in your garage? If I could, I would keep all of them. <laughs> yeah, we would. We all would. I don't have a doubt. I would say that um, uh, all all of the cars that I sell, I am sad to let go. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially what, when I don't know who's going to drive them. When when you know who's receiving the car and you and you know that it's going to a good place, it, it sort of helps. But definitely, I would have to say that um, the first green John Deere green FJ40 that I auctioned off, I would love to get my hands on it again. Yeah, the first yeah. the first born there. So <laughs> I understand, I understand. Well, let's look at today and the future here. What has you really excited right now and fired up about the FJ company? Well, what's what's exciting, Mark, is the change that we have been able to exert in the way we built the cars. And that's that's basically thanks to building more of what people want us to build rather than our initial model where we when we restored cars to factory spec most of our first 15 or 20 cars where we tried to take them as close to possible as the factory line Mm -hmm. and uh, those did very well in the auctions and that's fortunately that's how we were able to get known through people in the industry collectors and 
Sure. And nowadays, fortunately for us, we have pretty much gone into a end user market uh, where we are selling to people that have second homes, farms, live in beach towns or have a second home in beach towns, golfing clubs. And these are families that want to have a car that they drive every weekend or at least one weekend per month when they go to their second homes. Okay. And I think it's very exciting because we're we're adding modern day conveniences to the cars and the car that you saw at SEMA, even though it looked stock, I guess it's what you would call a sleeper because it had a much, much more modern engine. Toyota's inline six engine. Yeah. It's yeah. more powerful, which fits right in, looks beautiful, but it is much more much more modern than the car itself. Mm-hmm. Better braking, better transmissions. We're definitely doing some very radical uh, stereo systems with embedded subwoofers in the back so that they don't look obvious. So that is really exciting because uh, we were constrained to the original designs. Mm -hmm. And every day we feel like people don't want to settle for the original stuff. Mm. They want to drive their cars more is what we see. And they like a little bit or a lot more comfort, actually. Right. So every day we're working on finding ways to make them better drivers, improving suspension, steering, whatever we can uh, improve upon. That's where I spend most of my time. So that's exciting. That's that's cool. It's very cool. And, uh, of course, it's the appropriate direction to go is discover what your customers want and give it to them. Very, very nice. Well, it sounds very exciting, and 2017 looks to be a fantastic year for you guys. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Nelson. If you were a car, what kind of car would Nelson be and why? That's a very, very (laughs) difficult question. I know. It's kind of a funny one, but I get some great answers. I think it would have to be a, an FJ70. Okay. I grew up driving in farms, I, and that's where I learned how to drive. And that's actually one of the cars that I drove the most when I was younger. And the 70 is a car that, of course, I'm foreign. I'm Colombian. So the, the 70 is sort of foreign to the U.S. Sure. Uh, very, very few here. I guess up in your area, there's there are some. Yeah, yeah. I feel like there's going to be many more of them, though, and they'll they'll become a little more popular. So I would definitely stick to the FG70 because it's it's definitely an old old school four x four with uh, leaf springs, etc. But uh, just um, more apt for modern day driving than than a forty in stock form, I would right. say. And it's it's um, I would call it a introverted car in that. It, it, many people will not recognize the car in, the, in a corner if it's parked out on the streets, mm-hmm. while the 40 is loud and well known. Right, right. <laughs> so that that would be the that would be the <laughs> answer to that. Nice answer. You put some thought to that. I appreciate <laughs> it. Well, Nelson, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Car Show sponsors. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimball.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. 
Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. member, Finra Sipic. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that'll jumpstart a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabite dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost Jump Starter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Okay, Nelson, we're back and we're entering the last lap. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? That advice would have to be a day when I rolled off an FJ43 from a truck and trailer in a in a racetrack and I took it for exhibition purposes and some of the people around there was specifically a a very knowledgeable person in the car business here told me you will never make a business selling those tractors (laughs) (laughs) yeah it sounds like the uh you know what came to I think the word tractor did it when Enzo Ferrari told Fruccio Lamborghini you'll never build a sports car you're a tractor builder (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, nothing like a dare to get you going. <laughs> Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years? Uh, obsessiveness with detail, definitely. <laughs> yeah, having seen one of your builds, I can tell our listeners there's some obsessiveness going on here at the FDA yeah. company. Do you have a resource that you'd like to share with our listeners that you really enjoy? I, I definitely love uh, Bring a Trailer. I think it's great what they've done. <laughs> oh, such a tease. Uh, Randy's been a guest here on the show, and I just say, Randy, don't tease me every day like you do. My gosh. I think they have a great taste for cars, and they bring out the real life. If that's the place where I would probably buy a, a Daihatsu Charmant again, <laughs> yeah. if it was ever on the block. So Yeah, well, they, love- they probably would have one. I have a good friend, Bill, who's a listener here, and at least once a week, he'll. Uh, I, I'm kind of known as the doctor. My friends will call me and say, "Is the doctor in?" I and I go, "What car you want to buy now?" And my job is to talk him out of it. Yeah, the doc. He's a doctor. Will call me and say, uh, "Go to bring a trailer and look at this Porsche. What do you think?" And yeah, I have to walk a fine line because his wife is like, "Stop buying cars." So I have to kind of, oh, you know, I have to every once in a while say, "Nap, don't buy that one." And then I'll call <laughs> his wife and say, "I saved you a few bucks today." So. <laughs> But, of course, yeah, there's yeah. always a few that I say, yeah, buy it, buy it, buy it. So. <laughs> now, if you can have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry or field, someone who's either living or deceased, who would that be? Without a doubt, Ayrton Senna. Oh, my gosh. Wouldn't that be <laughs> cool? Yeah, yeah. He, he's one of my favorites. I write a blog every week, and my blog, just this week as we're recording the show, is about Ayrton Senna, about being, oh. about being you. you. No kidding. Should, yeah, you should be you. So. I even have one of his quotes as a salutation on my business card. So, uh, okay, good. Yeah, good to hear yeah. That. yeah. Yeah. I loved following him. Now, how about a book? Is there a book you've read that you think the Car Shadow listeners should 
crack open and read? Yeah, I read a book back in school, and I guess it's one of those things that uh, at the moment you're doing, and you don't understand why the hell you're doing that. Mm -hmm. And it's called, and it's a it's a textbook for for many, I guess for many school businesses, uh, business school, sorry. Uh-huh. And it's called Customers for Life. Oh, I know that book well. Yeah, yeah. Car- by uh, Sewell is the, um, I think it's, Car- is it Carl Sewell? Is yes. The, the author? Yeah, I read that book years ago. I love that book. It's awesome. And it's just so simple. And everything that is said there, I think, is uh, you, as you read it, you think it's just common sense. But but it's it's just so hard to apply and hard to live by. And, yeah. and we actually give that book to everyone that comes into the company. Ah, brilliant, brilliant. Because, because I mean, it's, it's just, um, it's all about the client. Yes. <laughs> and uh, yep. we're selling such specialized products that uh, there's a lot of hand-holding throughout the restoration and after the restoration. But if, if you're able to hold those hands, I think you, you can really have a customer for life. You can, absolutely. Well, listeners, you can find links to all these great resources that, Nelson has been so kind to share on his very own show notes page at the Carja website, carja.com slash Nelson Kaye. Last name is spelled C-A-L-L-E. And there's another great place on the Carja website called Guest Recommended Books, where Carl Sewell's book, Customers for Life, one of my favorites, and the past 686 guest books are listed there. So check it out. It's a great wow. resource. Yeah, if you love to read books, there's got to be close to a thousand books there. And, uh, all my past guests have recommended books. You can just click on them. It goes right to Amazon. You can buy it real fast and easy. Lots of great resources there. All right, we're up to the checkered flag here, Nelson. And this last question, it can be a real doozy. If you could have only one cool collector car in your garage, but money is no object, I'm going to buy you any toy you want. But you can't sell it and buy a bunch of other cars. You're going to have to keep it, and I want you to drive it and enjoy it. No garage queens here at Cars, yeah. What would that vehicle be and why? I'm going to cheat here, and I'm going to go again with um, Ayrton Senna's McLaren winningest Ooh. chassis. <laughs> oh, an F1 car. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Uh, okay. Well, yeah, I don't even need to ask why because, of course, <laughs> he's an icon, and to have a car like that, I think you'd probably park that in your living room, right? Well, hopefully I would be able to go out and uh, test, like yes. you said, test drive it and drive the hell out of it, even <laughs> if you're not e- remotely capable to, because I just by looking at the videos, you can tell that either you're in extremely perfect shape or you're just going to be uh, <laughs> out of control. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, you picked an awful nice car there. What a special car, too. And what an awesome driver Ayrton was and inspiration to so many people and especially people... uh in South America that followed him. Oh, my gosh. So nice choice, my friend. Very cool. I better get to work. That's going to cost me a pretty penny. <laughs> but for you, you're worth it, Nelson. So I'll do whatever I can to get you that car. <laughs> That's going to be hard. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, Nelson, you've taken me on an awesome off-road journey here today. And I knew you would. And I've really enjoyed learning more about your business and about you. And I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey with the Car Show listeners. 
Could you give us one parting piece of guidance of wisdom before you rip off down the racetrack and Ayrton Senna's McLaren? <laughs> well, there's there's something I forgot as far as the what's uh, what's the best advice you've gotten. There was a second piece of advice. Oh, okay. The first one was you will never make a business selling those tractors, and <laughs> that that really ignited some lights. Yes. And the second one was given to me several times by a, a friend who has been a car collector all his life as well as his his father and grandfather so oh nice his advice is always you are not rich enough to buy garbage so he said buy the best you can buy and a little more ah. and he says the best stuff is what does better in collecting and initially that was very hard to understand and I made uh, tons of mistakes, and but I really feel like that's uh, if you get to a point to understand and practice that advice, I think you are safe with whatever money you spend through places like bring a trailer and such. <laughs> yeah. It's a great word of advice. I've heard that from a lot of people who've been on the show that are either uh, restoration people, collectors, auction houses. Is yeah, is uh, I like that. You're not rich enough to buy garbage. Uh, <laughs> Is uh, you buy the best that you can at that moment and stretch a little bit further because it'll always come back to serve you well. Awesome. Well, what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and your company? Well, definitely uh, our website. We dedicate a lot of time to our website. And uh, frankly, that's the way we run the business. And that is www.fj.co. So it's not .com, it's .co, fj.co. And we have all our current builds public out there. You can go look at our current restorations and you can look at our past restorations. And more importantly, you can see the three products that we have or uh, the standardized products that we offer. And then you can play around with the car builder and actually choose different uh, setups for your dream car, dream FJ. It's actually a lot of fun just if you want to play around and yeah build you at the land cruiser of your dreams feel free to go there and definitely feel free to contact us if if you have any questions or any dreams in the toyota land cruiser world fulfilling dreams there at the fj company and i'll let our listeners know check out the website it is a cool website you guys have done a really nice job with it it's a fun place to go it's an adventure this company is pretty cool cars yeah listeners you need to check it out i think you're going to have some fun and you can find everything, again, that Nelson has shared on his show notes page with links to that site at carsyad.com. Just type Nelson in the search bar. His page will pop up, and you can get a hold of him. Check out FJ Company. It's a cool, cool project site. Builds everything about it I love. Nelson, thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your off-road experiences and on-road journeys with me and with the Cars Yeah listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you, Mark, very much. Um, and thanks for the, the work you do. I, we, it definitely feels like you are bringing similar souls together and, and you're bringing uh, the dreams of many different people in, into a common place. And that is, that is something very cool. I appreciate that. Well, the pleasure's all mine. Inspiring automotive enthusiasts. That's what we're all about here at Cars. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. You bet. Driving never meant more as the all-new driving adventure awaits you with a not-for-profit drive toward a cure. 
combines two spirited drives for a weekend of cars and camaraderie in Paso Robles, California, all to support finding a cure for Parkinson's disease. In a showcase of ribbon roads in California of chrome and elegance, coming up this April 28th. Enjoy some of the nicest cars, people, drives, wine tasting, and luxury receptions while driving towards a cure for Parkinson's. To register or donate, click on drivetowardacure.com or check out Cars Yeah guest Deb Pollock's show notes page where there's links to Drive Toward a Cure. Donate today, or better yet, go for the drive. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.